0: You're listening to the Marriage Project Podcast, episode number nine. Welcome back. I'm so excited you're here and this month I'm going to try to keep it somewhat short and sweet. I don't have anyone on with me this month as I'm gearing up to head out to Cape Town, South Africa. If you're not following on Instagram, you may not have known that. I've said it a couple times, but you may have missed it. I'm leaving in five days. I'm leaving on September 10th and coming home the 26th. And my reason for visiting is to go and record with a couple all the way in South Africa. It really ties in to parts of my story of how God is taking me all the way across the world to meet this couple and to record with them. You might be thinking that's a little extreme as I've just been following the prompts on my heart for this project. That was one of the prompts on my heart at the beginning of the year and it's the one that has taken shape and is unfolding and is happening. And so I will go back full circle. I will get to that point, but I wanted to just say hi if anyone's new here. This month, like I said, is a little different Normally, you would expect to hear me interviewing a couple. Um, This month, that's not happening because I'm all out of stories, guys, and that could sound really scary, but I'm not scared. No fear with Jesus. He gives us his perfect love in replace of that and and just casts it all out, casts out all fears, and I'm just going with it. I'm just play by playing with him, and that's the best way to be. Um... When I began this, I had a few stories ready to go, and I thought, oh good, I'm ahead of the game. But here it is already September, and those interviews have been shared, which I'm so happy about. I need to get quiet with him to hear what's next for the podcast, what's next for next year. Is this going to be a continual thing? Am I going to have 12 new couples next year to continue on? Was it meant to just strictly be a 12-month thing and end in December? I sure hope not. I'm not planning to end it anytime soon, but we'll see as I just go forward in faith and say yes to the things he's put on my heart to say yes to. And one of those things is what this month is all about, and it's sharing a little bit more about me, a little bit more of my testimony trying to make sense of it. I have three note pages in my journal, so it's here, guys. Maybe I should just take a picture of it and share it because I'm a better writer than I am a speaker, but I want to change that. I want to pray it forward and just have the courage to take a stab at it and to just try and be as conversational as possible. It's kind of hard to do that when you're just alone recording. And Anyway, um, I wanted to just update you guys a little bit about last month's episode and why I also felt it on my heart to share my story this month. The title was Sex, Soul Ties, and God's Redeeming Love. If you know my story, if you know anything about me, you know that I lived nine years apart from the Lord. I'd say around age 14 to about age 24, give or take. I was walking in my own path, living life according to my way, not seeking God, not in His Word, not praying. There were the few moments I did talk to God in those more dire situations during that 10-year stint, but not really. I didn't know Him personally. Even though I'd been taught the Word and been brought up in a Christian church, I really didn't have it go from my head to my heart. I thought it was really important to share my perspective or my side of the story coming off of what Jessica and Chris shared last month because my testimony has parallels to some of the things that Jessica shared about her walk with the Lord. And it's coming from a different perspective because I'm not married. I don't have that husband built in to speak into the hurt or be patient or understanding like Chris demonstrated and has been to Jessica. And so I really wanted to emphasize where the source of our healing has come from. And we'll get to that. And I think the answer is obvious. It's found in a relationship with Jesus. But really quickly, just wanting to say last month's episode was really great to hear your guys' feedback, that it spoke to you, you were sharing it, and that really encouraged my heart. And I know it encouraged Jessica and Chris's. And we've got listeners from all over the world, which is so exciting. So hello to anyone who's out there who might be listening from another country. Um, I'm going to be recording soon from another country. So you're right in step with the heartbeat of this podcast. And so I have notes here. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know if I'm just going to read down them. It's kind of there to help my brain remember what I wanted to say, but it's, it's all over the place because God really spoke to my heart on this. And there's just so much to say. Um, So, I can't say that I've ever been in love. Um, I don't know that I ever have experienced a real or right type of relationship. Before Christ, all I really knew was hookups, negative, toxic relationship patterns. Um, I think Jessica did a great job sharing what the meaning of soul ties are, that it's the fact that this sex culture, this casual sex culture that the world really is living by is so counterintuitive to true freedom because you're being held captive to the people you connect yourself to and it's a long journey to healing. I gave my life to Christ when I was 24 years old and we're still on that journey and I believe we'll be on that journey until the end of my life. It's a journey toward wholeness and healing, and. I want to emphasize too, that's not why I got into a relationship with Jesus. It wasn't what I would benefit, what I would gain. It was my recognition of, wow, I am a wretch. Like I am a sinner and my choices, my sin, what I'd done, the deliberate disobedience against God for the last 10 years of my life has put the savior of the world on a cross. And he died in my place. And I just had a moment where it became real for the first time. And it really was that. It was just this all-consuming love that happened. Midlife crisis. Midlife mid-crisis in the middle of my 20s. But that's not what it was at all. It was a midlife awakening. I don't know. It was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Because I I could see for the first time. And I came to life for the first time. And... Jesus was real to me for the first time, and he invited me on this journey, and I said yes. And it's been a continual journey of trusting, learning, growing, discipline, all of it. And so I'm just trying to paint the portrait of I, I needed Jesus, and today I need Jesus in the same way, like I need oxygen. But that moment where he got hold of my heart for the first time was like this burst of I don't even know. It was this burst of love, something I'd felt for the first time in my life, having never really encountered that before with another person. A little bit about where I walked before I walked with Jesus. I'd say around the age of 15, I got into this really not great relationship. And I think about it now and I'm like, you're 15. How do you even think you're in a relationship? But you do. We do. We think we do. If you moms and dads out there who have teens, like we think we, I mean, you remember that. I'm sure when you were that age, I thought I had feelings for this guy and he wasn't a very nice guy. Let's just say that. Um, that's me being really, um, nice. (laughs) He called me names, he used degrading names, and I didn't understand why, and I started to take those on and believe them, and I had nothing to really counter that voice, which is 100% the voice of the devil. God doesn't ever tell you the things an abusive boyfriend or girlfriend are telling you he says the opposite but that was one relationship that lasted about a year or so and I got freed I say from that and fell prey pretty pretty quickly after to another really abusive manipulative controlling person and I was in that for four and a half years it was an awful vicious cycle that I just felt entangled in I could not get out of it on my own if I tried I mean I definitely tried (laughs) I tried to will it that was where I did talk to God a few times in the midst of the pain of that relationship and he did he he was there I remember specifically a few moments that he gave me way out he gave me a clear path to leave and I didn't take it both of those relationships were physical and I was I just want to caution people that it is so much more harder to leave something when you've become in tangled in any any type of sexual sin because you've given yourself over to that person and I think that's what keeps a lot of us there is that connection and that investment and God created sex for a reason and he knew the repercussions of it but also on the other positive side of that he knew that spiritual bond it creates in marriage I just became used to this behavior. That was just all I knew. I knew sensuality. I knew um, how to look good. I knew how to use my body to get someone to love me. And I'm putting air quotes around love because that is not love. But I started to just, I think, go through the emotions. Like that's all I knew and really practiced. And so that's how I behaved. And finally getting out of that really awful four and a half year relationship, I continued down that path. I should have stopped there at the foot of the cross and said, thank you Jesus for getting me out of that. But I didn't know Jesus yet. It was still just this conversation with God and he is three in one, Jesus, the son, God, the father, and the Holy spirit. But it wasn't this personal savior yet. It was still me talking to a big God. Thanks God, you got me out of it. See you at the next crisis. I continued in this downward spiral, I'd say for about three years, I had this just rampant sin spree. Um, I would go just crazy. I, I mean, I thought it was this newfound freedom, but I was still shackled to the same patterns. I was still shackled to the same belief system that I wasn't valuable, that I was only as good as I could offer someone. I believed all the degrading words said against me about me. That type of abuse is really damaging and... Continuing in that path, continuing to give myself over to people, I just kept getting tangled even more in the web that Satan had spun for me. It really was just this comfort in it, and I was gratifying my flesh in it, and it felt good to be desired. It felt good to have power over people because I could use that to my advantage because I knew they liked the way I looked or whatever it was. And that was my quick little hit of affirmation. It was my quick dose of feel good, get what you want, satisfaction. But the thing about that is that type of satisfaction, that self-gratification is not permanent. We weren't created for that type of relationship. We were not meant for hookups and negative toxic relationships. When you're living outside the will of God, that unfortunately is what is what it is. Like you can't force it to be anything else because God's not going to let you be Satisfied in something that's damaging to you. As much as I tried to keep fighting against him and keep going my way, there was finally a moment where I got to the end of myself. I broke down. God had been using these things, I believe, to just break me down, break me down, break me down, and not be comfortable in my sin. And I actually, I told this story to a few friends. I remember this one specific time I went out to Las Vegas with um, some friends and I told my mom, I said, because my mom, she's a key pivotal role in this. She has been praying for me for years. So mom is out there. If you're praying for kids who are making really not good choices or just out in the world and you're concerned about them, keep praying for them because your prayers are being heard and they're powerful. But I remember that I knew my mom was praying for me and yet I wanted to just do what I wanted to do. And so I looked at her one weekend, I was leaving for Las Vegas and I said, mom, can you not pray for me this weekend? I just, I want to have fun. I don't want things to happen to me. And she just was kind of probably like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Bye. And literally like the things that would happen to me, for example, we would try to go to a club one night. And one of those times I forgot my ID, my wallet at home. And there were just all these roadblocks to get in the way. And I think we get frustrated because we're like, Oh God, just like, you know, I want to do what i want to do and i want to sin and i want to be in it let me just live and that's a scary thing to say because he might just do that for you he might just hand you over to your sin and there is a verse in the bible that talks about that specifically. But if you're a child of God, which I was, I prayed to ask Jesus into my heart when I was 12 years old. I was just afar off. I was the wandering child way outside the safe gates. He's not going to let you go too far and he's going to protect you. And as much as that was an irritating thing for me in the moment, I'm so thankful that there were those roadblocks because I don't know what more could have happened. I mean, a lot did happen. I have to face some of the consequences of my choices today because of what I chose, but there could have been a lot more permanent ramifications for my deliberate disobedience, yet he put those things in place. I would forget my wallet. I would forget my ID. I couldn't get in to the party I wanted to get into or whatever it was, or my stomach would hurt and I'd have to go home or whatever. Those were prayers in action. And now on the other side of it, I'm thankful. I just remember this moment. God gave me these words. I have in my um, journal, the word open circled like one, two, three, four, five, six times. And what it takes to experience God and it is opening ourselves up to Him. And I think that's the biggest thing I struggle with is resistance. I resist things in my heart. I resist good things in my heart. I open myself up to the bad things willingly, but I resist good. And I did that so well back then, and yet it was a song that my mom used to sing. She would sing this in the early morning hours doing dishes or, I don't know, different times of the day, but that's what I remember most. And the words were, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. And I was in the midst of this tumultuous whirlwind of living in sin, I guess. I don't know how to really describe it. I was in it, just, you know, comfortable not really comfortable because my mom was praying in my sin. Um, and these words surfaced. And I re- I will never forget where I was. I was putting the key into my apartment door. I heard those words in the depth of my soul or in, in my head. I don't know where it was, but I heard it and I sang it. And it was, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open. Open the eyes of my heart. And the craziest part is I don't even think I fully meant that. It was like a half-hearted thing or it was just lyrics. You know, they do that. They pop up. Sometimes unfortunate ones. I still remember not great lyrics. But in this case, those words were more than lyrics. And God heard that and opened the eyes of my heart, Lord. And so that word Lord, he was like, okay, you get it. I'm not just God. I'm not just this big overhead being I am Lord. I want to be Lord of your life. I want to be in your life. I want you to live your life with me. I want to be with you. I love you. Open up yourself to me. Open your heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. And the craziest of things is that he did that. Whether i meant it or not, he opened the eyes of my heart and I began to see him. And I picked up This devotional my mom had given me, it was called The Daily Light, and that's going to be my resource for this month. I'll tag it because it's the most amazing little devotional. It's scripture, morning and night, only scripture. I began reading it, and that's really where the healing began. God has brought healing in so many forms throughout this journey with Him, but it starts with and ends with His Word. It is His Word. It is the washing of His Word. The cleansing and the purifying agent is what his word is and it began to change me and I couldn't get enough of it and I began to test it. I wasn't even in the Bible yet. I was still reading from this little devotional and I'd open it up every morning and it was like, whoa, God, you see me. You know exactly where I'm at. You know exactly my hurts. It was this burst of love that I experienced for the first time. It really was that. It was just this washing, this cleansing, and this receiving because I was opening myself up to Him for the first time. And I was hearing Him and seeing Him in everything. I would be listening to the radio. It it was not even a worship song. It was just a song on the radio, but the lyrics I heard coming from Him all of a sudden, it was like him speaking everything to me. So that was the moment I just began to surrender things to him, to trust him with things, and to ask him for advice or direction or guidance and wisdom and began abiding in him. There's a verse in the Bible. It's John 15, 5. Let me get my Bible. Okay, so it's John 15, I have my first Bible that is falling apart at the seams because, let me just tell you, <laughs> I say this Bible reflects Jesus taking the hit for me and me being renewed every time I opened up this word because its dilapidated state is what I was in, the state of my heart, the state of my body, everything mentally. I was run down, beat up, I had done a number on my body and myself and my soul. And every time I opened up the word, it, it spoke in and healed a little bit by bit by bit and took the hit for me. So I'll have to share what it looks like. Chapter 15 of John. It just says that I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned for greater fruitfulness by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful apart from me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That to me means everything because this abiding, this staying in tune with him, walking with him, being connected to him is what bears fruit in our life. And Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the spirit and the one that I was going to experience the most along with patience and kindness and joy was self-control because I was a slave to impulsiveness. I realized that later. I was so impulsive. I have multiple examples of my impulsiveness. I have an impulsive tattoo. Actually, I have a couple of those. I have just scars and soul scars to prove it. It really is just a miracle and amazing that God puts together what's broken and I was severely broken. What I'm getting at all of this is that Jesus was the one to pick me up and he placed me on firm ground and we began this walk together. It was because I finally opened myself up to him, I stopped that resistance, that resisting. It's definitely been something we've been working at together because I'm still prone to that. I'm not perfect. Um I'm not sinless. It's this acknowledgement that I need Jesus and I need to put him on every day that keeps me walking in the way. And so I think for my story to be the most honest and transparent. So on this road that we began down, I had on this white dress. It was tattered and ripped from all the things pulling at it and The lies that ripped and the white that represents purity was stained. And the first stop on this walk with him was this cross. It was that moment of recognition and realization of this is the place that another died for me, where God sent his son to die for me. And I just remember in my mind's eye, this was a vision I had. I fell low. And in this dress that was tattered and stained, I just wept. Like, I just, I was crying profusely. And I I want to say that I believe tears are healing. And it was maybe one of the first times I wasn't crying sad tears. It was tears releasing things that I'd kept in, mourning the things that had happened to me, also repentant over what I'd done and that was the first time that I'd ever had that happen to me. I it's like the kid that gets caught and says sorry but they don't really mean it and they keep going back and doing the same thing over and over again. It's not until there's this true sorrow or fear rather. Like I had this awe and reverence for God all of a sudden and it was this this new sorrow that I had and it was repentance the foot of that cross I had my head cast low crying and I felt him invite me to lift my eyes to look at him and it was like I couldn't and this was the only time I ever experienced really any shame after that I felt him take it from me and carrying it for me Because we had a lot to do. Like, I feel like he has said that to me. Like, let's get going. We have much time to cover. We lost a lot of time back there. You spent a lot of time in that spot of your life. We got a lot of catching up to do. But first, this had to happen. This repentance and this acknowledgement of taking ownership and not just playing the victim and saying, I could say I was a victim of abuse. I was mistreated. But you know what? If I was honest with myself, I liked it. I like being sought after. I liked being looked at. I like being a prize to be won. I like standing next to someone's side and being the girl some other girl talked about. Our pride puffs us up and I was so puffed up in those moments and it finally was this place of humility and not caring about me anymore. It was whoa like Jesus you are filling every part of my heart that I wanted filled that I've been trying to fill with those empty things and you you died for me while I was doing all those puffed up prideful things you died for me and I just kept saying that like you you died for me and I could imagine him on the cross and my face and my name went across his mind and he was like yes yes Alicia, I did. I died for you because I love you. Again, he invited me to look up. And in one of the really negative, toxic relationships, the guy I was in a relationship with, I put air quotes around that too, because it wasn't, it was a very one sided relationship. He cheated on me all the time and didn't really treat me like a, a person should treat another human being, really, but that's beside the point. He would not let me even gaze at anyone else. Like he would accuse me of something crazy if I would even make eye contact with another guy in particular it wasn't with girls or women it was with men and so so for Jesus to invite me to look up for the first time after casting my eyes down for so long he gently just like took my chin up and met my gaze and held and locked eyes with me and it was this piercing stare and this recognition of I've been with you all along I've been with you through all that I've seen it all it doesn't matter to me I know it all. I know the dirt. I know the filth. I know the choices you've made. I know the deep, dark parts of your heart. I know the deep, dark choices. I know certain things about you that no one else might ever know. I was there, and I love you, and I choose you, and we have a journey to go on. And this was it, guys. This was the experience. I just, My heart filled, and it was just this moment that no one can take from me. The enemy definitely has tried. There's definitely moments um, in our walks with Jesus that people slip up, go back, fall away. But this moment was secured. It was the first marker of my walk with the Lord where no one can take that. And it's ours. It's mine. I know it. And it's what propels me forward. And so if I hadn't had that initial... Opening up to him, though, I may have never experienced this sort of love. We've been on this road, Jesus and I. There's been many moments I felt that I've been up ahead of him, like, all excited. I'm like, wow, let's go, like, on this journey with you, Jesus. And I'm running ahead, and I'm all enthusiastic. And I look over my shoulder because there's no one around. And I I imagine him, like, behind me kind of, like, chuckling, like, slow and steady (laughs) wins the race. And I'll have to like step back and get more in sync with him and walk slower and let the slow seasons happen in life. Or there's moments where I've lacked courage or I've put things off and he's up ahead of me waiting patiently, looking back at me like, like, come on, let's go. And I'll have to catch up and do the thing that he's asking me to do, whether it's making a podcast that took a lot of courage for me to do, like recording this episode trying it doing it um then there's the moments where we've been shoulder to shoulder talking and working through things and him bringing healing and I promise I'm getting to the point of how South Africa ties in the one thing I do want to say is that resistance is something that always creeps up I have resisted God even in my walk with him and it's all about opening ourselves up to him I had a sweet friend who also has a podcast um she sent me a Bible verse. It was Psalm seventeen eight. She had asked everyone on her Instagram stories what she could be praying for for everybody. And at that moment last month, I wrote resistance in my heart. I felt that there was still things I'm resisting God in. Um, some of those things are where I'm living. I'm still living in the same city that all of this happened to me. You know, I'm, not happened to me, but just still in the same home. Um, the first person I dated lived nearby, and I just have to drive by places that bring a lot of memories back, um, I guess you could say. That's been a resistance thing where I'm like, I'm resisting this, but God wants to do something here. I know that, and I know there's a reason I'm still here. Nothing that God does is coincidence. What she sent me was Psalm seventeen eight, and what she wrote with it, though, was so profound at that moment because of exactly what I asked her to pray for. And she said, I'm praying that your heart would be opened in only the way God can powerfully and gently all at the same time. And Psalm seventeen eight says, guard me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings. And I'm going to sit with that one a little while longer. I don't really have anything more, but it was so interesting to me that that word guard was there because He is. He's a shield to us. And I think in that month specifically, so last month, I just definitely felt attacked and there were things that were creeping in, creeping up from my past and and thinking about people or persons and thinking like thoughts about that past life and wanting to resist what was going on currently and thinking that was easier time. That was just my true thought. And speaking of that vision of being on the road with Jesus, it was this new spot that we were in all of a sudden that came flooding into my mind's eye that I saw for the first time. And it was this, that I was on the road and I had stopped. We weren't walking. I had stopped. And I was looking over my shoulder longingly, like reminiscing and remembering the good times and all this. And I was like, I shook awake in the vision. And I looked back and Jesus was just sitting there. I I guess he was sitting on a rock. I don't know. He was sitting and patient, letting me do that, letting me gaze back and letting me think long on people and feelings and thoughts from that time in my life. And, And this is where I think a lot of people stop and they don't keep going. And I can't speak for everyone, but I've seen examples of it where people renounce their faith or they walk away from the church or whatever it is. And I think this is it. They, they stopped on the road. And I wonder if they were ever on a road to begin with because to know Jesus, you'd have to leave that loving, patient Savior there on the road to turn back, to go all the way back, to track miles back that whole way you guys had been walking, to go back to things, to the mud, to the place you come from because that's truly what it was. That's where I came from. And I'm not saying the physical places. It was the heart things, the the depth of the dirt that we've cleaned up. Why would I want to go back to the pigsty after being cleaned up and come so far? And it was like this, oh my gosh, like I cling to you. And that was my scripture for today. And all of a sudden I reverted to the present and saw, I'm like, whoa, no, like I want to, I'm, let's go, let's keep walking. Take that resistance in my heart away, please, Lord. And um, whereas I was reading today in Psalm 63, and it did say that, I will cling to you. I will follow close behind you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. And so that was that moment. I was like, take my hand, Lord. Let's keep walking. I don't want to go back there. Um that helped me through this resistance. and so that I think is the struggle I'll always be struggling with is that prone to resistant heart and just continually asking him to open myself up to the things he wants to do in my life. And there was a specific moment actually in 2017, and I'm just saying this because it might be for someone else that needs to hear this. I was holding on to a dream so tightly because I do want to be married. Um, one day, and I had this idea of this person, of who I thought might be my husband. And I was holding so tightly to this thought of this person, or who he was supposed to be, and I had this dream I was clinging to, and my fists were tightly clenched around it. And I went to this conference at church, and my friend Jessica, the one who was on last month, was with me, and it was a two-day event. And we went to throw our bags in her trunk. And I threw, I put my purse in, I put everything in, so I had nothing on me. So I was free to walk about without anything hindering me. And that night, as I laid my head on the pillow, I felt God say to me, I'm going to need you to drop off all you've been carrying, just like you did today. I need your arms and your hands to be open to receive what I do have for you. And that was that, that in that moment, I just thought, whoa, I'm going to stop trying to cling to what I think my life should look like or what I want. And I need to open myself up. So that was just another moment of having to release what I wanted and let him have his way and be open to what he wanted to do in my life. I think that's the next part of my story, being ready to open myself up to love, possibly to who that person is, who he has for me. And I think that will be one of the greatest challenges because of what I've walked through. And yes, I've been on this journey with Jesus, and He's healed parts in my heart um, for sure. But there's still a lot of ground to cover. And I want to kind of transition it to how this ties into my perspective. And anyone who's listening, who heard Jessica and Chris's story last month, they might be thinking, well, I'm single. How how would God heal me? If I don't have this spouse that's there to walk in that with me, or you might be married, but this spouse that you're married to isn't contributing to the healing. He's contributing more to hurt. And I have to emphasize from episode six, what Marty and Lori shared about the healing and restoration that the word brings. And that's what God used for me. It was his word. It wasn't a spouse and definitely community and people in the church the accountability that comes from that. And actually, on a personal, like, specific note, for me, healing came through photography and writing, but specifically photography because it took the focus literally off of me because for so long I was so me-centered. And I think it is like that until we're in Christ because we don't have the attitude of Christ. And the attitude of Christ is the opposite of what our flesh and our natural tendencies are Our natural tendencies are selfishness, trying to impress others. It says that in, um, I think it's Ephesians, but we only think of ourselves. We don't take interest in others, but with Jesus, He gives us the attitude of Christ, and in turn, we are selfless and think less and less of ourselves as we put Him on every day and are in His Word and are walking through that healing with Him as we're cleansed by the Word. And it really is just a supernatural healing. I can't tell you exactly how I was called or why apart from this word and its grace. It says that in the Bible that it is by grace, you are saved and my, and that his grace is sufficient for me. And so to give you a cut and dry answer of how I was healed, I don't think there'll ever be one outside of just getting in His Word and being in a community with people who love the Lord and who are going to pray for you and be there and to hold you accountable because that's huge. I think that's one of the biggest things that I needed was accountability and when I started serving, I needed to be somewhere and um, people would text me if I wasn't and they knew I was supposed to be somewhere and that helped me stay accountable to creating new habits and being consistent on Sundays and being at church and being in Bible study and meeting new friends and having them pour into my life and live alongside me in this new walk and they entered the picture and they knew who Jesus was and he was the same he was the same Jesus and that we believed he was the son of God died for us on the cross but we experienced him in different ways Yet we knew him together and could speak about him together in that way. And that brought a lot of answers and healing. In Jessica's case, how beautiful it was that the Lord used Chris to be there as she worked through some of these rough patches or the soul ties that come from living that way by having sex before marriage or just having sex with multiple people. And and in that same way, I experienced those things. And you do have those consequences of memories and dreams and thoughts. And it's something you live with. And I haven't had to learn how to carry it into a marriage yet. But I want to say a few words to the spouses out there of someone who might be walking in this. I would hope that anyone listening, this could open up a conversation that the two of you may have never had in your dating relationship, but I do want to caution you um, about purity and emotional purity, and speaking of that, that just reminds me that the road to purity is not an easy one because our flesh definitely tempts us. We want to gratify our flesh, but it is one that's worth it. And the Lord can use you so mightily when you are living in purity. And I've been living in purity for the last almost seven years. It's been since, I believe, 2013 was when I dedicated my life. And I had a moment where I slipped up and the Lord, it was like on our, so on our walk, I I fell and I scuffed my knee. That's how I see it. And he just swept me up and said, let's keep going, keep going. Don't let that hinder you. Let's keep walking. And that was it. That was when I wiped my hands clean and I vowed purity and I wanted to remain pure to be able to serve him and not get distracted and not get tangled in that web again that I'd been tangled in for 10 years of my life. So that was a side note. But staying in emotional purity, um, I think it's important that you learn to share these things with each other. But if you're only dating, it might be wise to wait till you're engaged or Have a third party involved to where you're in premarital counseling because some of these things are really intimate and it is sacred. It is something you don't need to just share with each person you date just for the sake of having that conversation. It's It's important, I think, that they understand because you might be making decisions based out of the things you've experienced and they might need to understand why you are the way you are in certain Circumstances. Um, I know in episode one, Mitch and Maria talked about that. That Maria had gone through some physical abuse when she was younger, um, and they didn't have that conversation. And as they got married, she kind of turned away from physical touch. She didn't want Mitch, her husband, to touch her. And it wasn't because of him, it was because of things that she had experienced in the past. It was trauma. And it really caused this gap in their marriage and he believed lies because they weren't speaking about it. He believed he was undesirable or that she didn't desire him and a lot ensued after that and you can listen to that in episode one if you haven't heard it. But that's why it is important to talk about this constructively but in the right timing And I think it's also important to protect parts of it, to not paint too much of a detailed picture because the enemy can definitely come in and wreak havoc. Um, But that's something that you might want to pray about and I'm sure it would be beneficial. So I think for husbands, um, I think it's important for them to just be in their word as well, to be soaking it in because, because in Ephesians 5, it is a command for husbands to cleanse their wife by the washing of the word. So you need to be in your word daily and capable to contribute to that healing because you have spent time with Jesus and you're able to extend that grace, that patience, that understanding that he gives that source of love to your wife or vice versa, um, wives to your husbands. But in this case, the Bible speaks about that, about the husband's cleansing their wife by the washing of the word. I think it's important to know too that it's a long road to wholeness to not become impatient with each other, to work through it, to dig out the dirt together um, if you haven't begun that in your singleness already. And if you have, there's still going to be a lot to uncover, I'm sure, in marriage. And I talked about tears being healing. I think for husbands, It's important to understand that tears aren't something to be afraid of or be frustrated with. I think it's important that you know that tears are ways and communicators of something that's still beneath the surface that needs to be worked through. Um, So don't be uncomfortable in the presence of them in the presence of tears, and women too, if your husband needs to cry, I mean, let him cry, and I think we encourage that, I wouldn't mind if someone I loved, if a man I knew needed to just pour out his heart, and a tear was shed, you know, Um, I hate that, that culture for men that it's not manly to cry, you know, I don't believe that at all, I think it's, it's important to cry, and to let things out, in that way it just lightens our load and it is after you've had a good cry, don't you just feel so much better. I also think it helps to have somebody who asks really good questions speaking about what that Ephesians verse, I think it's Ephesians, I'm trying to find it, but that verse about taking interest in others. So someone who asks us really good questions and walking through it together, once you've gone through premarital or if you've been in counseling to try and practice that together or be in a book together and and follow what they advise, um, how, how you should navigate sexuality, pasts, things from your past, Communicating about those types of things and soul ties and asking with the intention to understand and work through it together and not to use it as ammo later in an argument. I think that's really important that you shouldn't gain information about each other's past so you can use it to hurt each other or use it against each other later. And everyone is so different in how they communicate, and that could look so many different ways of how you share it with your husband if you've never really discussed this or having trouble finding intimacy to like break the ice of that first initial conversation I think you'll be glad you did I imagine if I had to convey the depths of my hurt and scars and story as I'm trying to here I hope it's all making sense and I'm not even fully divulging everything but it might help to write it down to convey some of those emotions because I know for me it's hard to put my feelings into words sometimes so if it's coming to that where you want to say something to your spouse that you're having a hard time communicating that maybe you could try to write it and say it maybe you don't have to have them read the letter or they can but either way you can write it down and then share it I just I really wanted to emphasize that and close that God can use marriage as a tool and that spouse in your marriage as that person to walk alongside you in that journey of grappling with things from your past, understanding what happened to you, the tears that will come from repentance. I know I still have those come. There's things that will rise up in me that I haven't thought of in a really long time or haven't ever really discovered or uncovered. And it's a new thing and I just become weepy over it because I never saw it in that light and Jesus reveals something new to me of what he saved me from. I think it is just important to... um, Know that Jesus is the one who heals, and married or not, it's him. Knowing him intimately and letting him into the precious parts of our stories and our hearts brings true healing. And exposing the dark parts to the light is so important because you're not meant to carry it by yourself. If it's not a person yet, it's important to bring it to light to him. It's important to bring into the light, the true light who is Jesus. And I want to close on that. John 1. And that I can say it was truly the word that I fell in love with because Jesus is described as the word in the Bible. In the beginning, the word already existed. He was with God and he was God. He was in the beginning with God. He created everything there is. Nothing exists that he didn't make. Life itself was in him and this life gives light to everyone. The light shines through the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent John the Baptist to tell everyone about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was only a witness to the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was going to come into the world. But although the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him when he came. Even in his own land and among his own people, he was not accepted. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn. This is not a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan. This rebirth comes from God. So the word became human and lived here on earth among us. He was full of unfeeling love and faithfulness. And we have seen His glory, the glory of the only Son of the Father. And that is who Jesus is. He is the Word. He is the life. He is the way. He is the truth. He is closer than any human relationship can get. And His love is real and true and it's not broken. His love won't hurt me. It won't hurt you. To experience this kind of radical, the most pure form of love after a series of serious heartache and anxiety and sad tears, I was happy to have found a relationship in him that brings fullness and joy and peace and goodness and kindness and patience and self-control and the many, many things that he brings. And so I hope this clarifies a little bit of where I came from. Again, like I said, it's so much more details I could go into and I would if we were to ever meet up. I'm not afraid. I'm not nervous to share it. It's just the time and the place needs to be right. And all of that to bring us to why I'm going to South Africa, if you've made it this long. The last piece of the puzzle, of this puzzle, of this story, of this episode. So it was in 2013 I shared that I gave my life to Christ or recommitted my life because I mentioned I was 12 when I first prayed that prayer a long time ago. Um, It was in 2013 that I interned for this company in Costa Mesa, California, and I was on their event team. I would be sent out to local markets, different things at churches um, as one of the vendors, and set up a booth to tell the story of the company. They employed women in northern Uganda. The product that they make are beautiful pieces of jewelry, and these women in northern Uganda make them out of recycled paper, and you'd be astonished to see that these things that they make are made out of paper because they're so beautiful. You'd never know. But I was on their event team, this company's, and I would go out and I would tell the story. So I was already in the business of storytelling back then for this company. And I was sent to this event down in San Diego, California. I set up the booth. I had all the product ready. The night was young. People were buzzing around, asking questions. I was sharing the story of this company, and the founders of the organization that held the event got up on stage, and it was a husband and wife. And the man was South African, and the woman was American. And it was the first time, it was the first time I ever saw a marriage that emulated Christ. It was the first time I ever knew to look for a marriage that emulated Christ, because like I said, all I knew was hookups negative, toxic relationship patterns. And God used the two of them to show me that's worth waiting for. I went through a phase where I hated men. <laughs> I, I did. Um, I have this really cool thing where God redeems things from my past, and I call it the redemption tour, where he literally rewrites or repaves roads that were— or he repaves over roads that were run down, broken down in my life with clean, fresh— let's say, just pavement for analogy's sake. And one of those things was my hatred for the movie Pride and Prejudice. I remember watching that movie and thinking, there is no way this type of thing ever, this exists. There's no way. And I hated it. I hated the movie. And four or five years, fast forward... I had been in Bible study. I had met a really great friend, Amy, and she said, let's watch Pride and Prejudice one night. And I hadn't had any experience outside of my first experience with it. And I thought, I really don't want to watch it, but okay. She said, no, it's so good. I'll walk you through it. And we put it on. And at the end of it, I was bawling. I was crying so hard and I was like, that's my favorite movie ever. I want to watch it again. And I had this new portrait. I saw Jesus and Mr. Darcy, him coming through and just pursuing us. And there's definitely discrepancies in Mr. Darcy. So that's not a very accurate portrait of who Jesus is because Jesus is not prideful. He's not prejudiced like that movie insinuates through the title. But anyway, it was just funny because I had this moment of that being a redeeming Thing with that movie and that was my highlight of the year that God redeemed Pride and Prejudice for me and so that's not really related however it just shows where my heart was the condition of my heart of how scarred I'd been how bruised banged up I'd been and how I really did have a lot to walk through and a lot to be healed from and a lot of habits to be broken and new habits to be formed and New thought life, new thought patterns, new ways of thinking, that renewal of mind that Romans 12.2 talks about, not conforming to the patterns and customs of this world, but being transformed by the renewal of your mind. And that was genuinely what was happening to me that renewal of mind, the love of prejudice, and this newfound intrigue into a godly marriage and what it could look like. And that tangible piece of of this couple that existed. And lo and behold, that is the very couple. I'm going all the way to South Africa to interview. And it was a yes, and we'd love to. You can stay with us. We'll be here. And I'm so excited about it because I can't wait for you all to hear from this amazing couple who God used to speak into my life, into the parts of my heart that were so parched and needing revival and needing to see an example of a godly marriage and a godly couple. And it's why I continue to do this because I'm thinking, who could possibly see this? Like I mentioned last month, maybe the youth. I would hope the youth. I would hope that the young hearts in America and throughout the world would come to the site and see the examples of you guys, those of you who've shared and those of you who will share, and those of you who comment and those of you who are sharing it, passing it on. We're all working for the same end goal, to see others healed and be brought into the knowledge and saving of Jesus Christ and for the lost to be found and hope to be restored and the healing of their hearts to begin. So I just thank you guys for listening. I know this is a long one, but I thought it important to share just a little bit of why and how this has all come to pass. And I appreciate your prayers and thanking God just for what He's done in my life. All glory to Him working through me despite my resistant heart. He is so good. Glory to Him. See you guys next month.